Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Rosie Mankiss, who had a long history of working in marketing and with some of the largest publishing houses. She survived lung cancer and breast cancer, and she also lost her brother to a terrible accident. Rosie is a speaker and the author of Find Your Joy and Run With It, which speaks to the transition of loss and despair to flying high. We have so much to talk about, Rosie, so let's just dive right in and welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So as we begin the conversation, I always like to ask my guests, if you could describe your journey to this point, what would that one word be? So I feel like what comes to mind right away is resilience, because I've had to be resilient in so many ways through this journey that I had that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I love that word. My next question then is, there's so many places we could begin in this conversation, but let's start with a bit of your background, where you grew up and what was the vision for yourself and how did that change over the years? That's funny. Um, So I'm actually having a significant birthday this year. I'm 60 and I did a little pondering about my life earlier on. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I was one of four children, two Italian parents. I'm 100% Italian. And when I was a kid, and this is going to sound strange, I actually used to watch Bewitched and I didn't want to be her, but I wanted to be in the business that her husband was in. And that was the advertising business. I ended up going into advertising, but not in the same realm. But I just thought that Mr. Tate and what was Samantha's husband's name? I forgot. Oh, Samantha's husband's. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I can okay. picture him. And there were two different there were ones. Two of them. Yeah. Right? <laughs> So anyway, I can't think of his name, but the, I just thought they had the coolest job that they, you know, pitch the yeah, ideas for commercials. And I was, and that's the creative side of me that wanted to go into that field. I did go into an advertising agency role and then transition to ad sales later on. But that's what I wanted. That's where I landed in my head was that this is the coolest job in the world. And I want to do that at some point. <laughs> I love that you were inspired by a television show. That is so cool. I used to watch that show as well. And I always watched her and how did she make these things happen, right? And (laughs) (laughs) and dream about having that power, right? And actually, we do have the power to make things happen, which is part of your story. You watch that television show and it evolved into a job, a job that you envisioned for yourself. And you did for how many years? So I worked in ad- advertising for like two years, and then I saw that the ad sale back then print uh, magazines were very relevant back, you know, and, and they're not as much now because we have the internet, we have all these other ways of getting our information. But back in um, 86 through like 92, I wanted to work as an ad salesperson representing magazines. So I would go into the office of, a, you know, somebody that was representing a product and convince them that their ad belonged in our our magazine because the readership of our magazine was akin to the 
to the product. And I did that for several years and I loved it because I had this, you know, was out all the time and I had this expense account and I was taking people to nice lunches and stuff. And it was really a fun job to do. Yeah, it was really cool watching the men really be those professionals. And I'm so glad you were able to take that and apply that to yourself as a woman. And so I think the husband's name was Darren, by the way. Darren Stevens. I I said Steven in my head, but that's the last name. (laughs) I just, it just popped into my head. I was like, I think it was Darren. So you have so much grit, so much resiliency. You've been through so much and worked through the challenges of having cancer, not once, but twice. And the loss of your brother and your mother having dementia. Let's talk about that. What really helped keep you grounded, really connected with your emotions and embracing those, and then also moving through those challenges? What helped you most? I guess first I'd like to just tell your listeners what happened. Sure, absolutely. Between September of 2015 and September of the 16, I went through a very difficult journey during that time, you referenced this before, my mom had to be transitioned into an assisted living uh, facility due to the progression of her dementia. And she was so fearful. She didn't want to leave the only life that she knew, which was living in Brooklyn independently. Around the same time I was diagnosed with breast cancer, my second cancer, as you shared. Um, so imagine if I'm going through multiple biopsies and lumpectomies, and then ultimately a double mastectomy and reconstructive surgery. And my mom is calling in the middle of the night, like three times, get, get me out of here. I want to go home. And then when just when things were settling in with that situation and my health situation, my 58-year-old healthy brother died in a completely avoidable accident. He was um, very passionate about local theater. And so he was on the stage rehearsing for a show. And somebody asked him to move a table off of the stage. So imagine if you're walking forward with a table, I'm walking backward. My brother walked off a three and a half foot stage, hit his head on cement floor, was rendered brain dead, and then taken off life support later that week. And when that third thing happened, I I fell apart. I literally did. I stopped eating. I stopped speaking. At one point, I wrote a list of 12 things I would miss if I died. I learned in that time period that two things are for sure. Not one of us in this life gets to script our our life's journey, and not one of us gets to pick our body that we're born into. And I say that because I've had two of the cancers, not just a breast cancer in 2016, but stage 1A lung cancer in, in 2008. But, you know, deep down, I didn't want to stay in that hole that I spiraled into. You know, I, I wanted to see, is there a way to move from this terrible adversity to emotional wellness? And one of the things I learned when I said, I want to see how I can get out of that space that I spiraled into is that. It's not one big thing that you do. It's a series of small things that can help you to move. You know, I always thought I could do this one big thing. I can fix it. This other big thing. But it has to be really, really foundation building. Sometimes you'll see an article, top 10 things to heal from trauma. No, it's not that. I mean, it's it's about like figuring out how do you even define what happy is? Because, you know, I, I, I wear this bracelet. It's a blessings bracelet. It has four beads on it. And every day mm-hmm. I acknowledge four blessings. So it starts with the gratitude, but... I had to say, how do I define what happy is? So one day, I'm a big journal. One uh, one day, I was opened up my journal, and I said, let me try to write down five things that make me happy. I'm sitting there looking at a blank page because I'm not happy, right? I'm not in a happy place. And I say things. I, don't, I mean things. And people in my life made me happy still. So I said, okay, take a step back and say five things that could make me happy. 
And the list I came up with, summer was so basic, so rudimentary, like mm -hmm. sitting on the couch with the fireplace on the dog snuggle next to me or lighting three scented candles and, and watching them glimmer, turning the lights off, taking a walk, even if it's just around the block, because I was recovering from major surgery. So just walking around the block was a big deal. Huge. Drinking your morning morning beverage and really savoring it or just watching a sunrise or sunset. So I'm like, okay, this is a nice list, but it's not a list of things that make me happy. It's a list of things that could. So I turned them into affirmations and I would say them over and over until at which point that I could integrate them into my life. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, is I took a look at things that I gave up during that year. Because when you're going through adversity, you give up things. I was mad. I was mad at all these things. And I stopped turning on the radio. I couldn't even fathom connecting with this lyrics or song or singing along. That wasn't mm. just kind of my wheelhouse. But music is very important to me. And I mourn the fact that I let it go at a time I probably needed it most. So I started to put first songs from like my teenage years when your mm -hmm. life is carefree, like songs from Billy Joel or Jim Croce. Then I looked at the songs that just make you have a smile on your face, like September from Earth, Wind and Fire. Everybody mm -hmm. jumps up from the dance floor when that one comes on, right? Mm -hmm. But then I went for the ones where the lyrics spoke direct directly to me, like Let It Be or Drops of Jupiter by Train or Calling All Angels. And I put them in. And now I like to say, like, ever since I did that, every single day has music in it. As a matter of fact, every single day for me has pink. And, and mm, <laughs> I love pink. Yeah, love pink. I don't really listen so much as much in the car as I, when I put my makeup on in the morning, I listen mm. and at night when I'm cooking, I sing and I dance and I restored that part that had gone away because the thing is life's going to throw us curveballs in my case, a lot in one year, but would I choose to stay where I was in that hole that I spiraled into, or do I look at the gifts that are in front of me that I wasn't even seeing, wasn't seeing at all and latch on to them as a way of healing. And I, I would love to share with you some of those gifts that I latched on to that also helped me with the healing. I really appreciate you talking about your process because everybody has their own process. And Kubler-Ross talks about the process of grief and loss. He talks about the loss, the anger, the sadness, and you can return to those different steps. But you had your own process. You're talking about where you were finding happiness. And I make a distinction between joy and happiness. Joy is something internal. Happiness is something external for me. Mm -hmm. So that's the distinction. And I think we all have a area of joy that we could tap into internally. But how do you do that when there's so much layered on at one time, so much loss, grief, sadness, anger, it's amazing how you were able to find objectivity during that time. What was that one thing where you said, I've got to make a change or I want to find more gratitude in A, B, or C? What was that light for you? Because I think there's so much darkness in all those layers sometimes that people can't see that there's still light there. One of the things was I didn't want to be defined by my struggle. I wanted I wanted my struggles to to strengthen me. And I needed so much because I was in so such a point of despair. I needed to figure out, as I shared before, what those gifts were that I, I started to really see. One of them was spirituality. Mm -hmm. It's actually almost 20 years. Next week will be 20 years. A good friend of mine, her name was Marianne. She passed away 20 years ago. 
And she said before she passed away that she was going to come to us with these signs, letting us know that she was with us. We call them winks from beyond. Mm -hmm. And countless times through that journey, I opened my eyes to them and she would be with me and, and letting me know that I wasn't alone, that she was there on the journey with me, sitting on my shoulder. One such time, a simple one, I was you know, really in a bad place after my brother Carl passed away and I'm Italian and going to the local Italian market usually makes me feel good because I like to buy things and cook. And I was there after I made my selections, I went online to pay and the song on the radio was Drops of Jupiter, one of Marianne's songs. She had said that she would come to us in, in several ways and one of them was through music and no one in the store heard this except me, but that's okay because I was the intended recipient. The other way she said she would come to us is if a glass broke at a gathering, that would be her showing us that she was here. Or if there were dragonflies or sunflowers, which were her favorite, whether it be the actual ones or maybe in a tattoo of what somebody might have or jewelry. A more significant wink from beyond from Marion came when after Carl had passed away, we had a memorial service in the church close to me and then a gathering in our, our house. And... The next day I was really in a bad spot and I said, let me go visit my mom. My mom had dementia and because of her dementia, we chose not to share with her that her son had died because she couldn't put time together anymore. My brother didn't live locally. He lived in South Carolina. So she didn't know if she hadn't seen him in a week, month, six months. If she said, how's Carl? I haven't heard from him. I, I could say to her, you know, it's a little deceptive, but I didn't want to share. I didn't want her to be hurt. So you, you spoke to him last week. Yeah. And also she would forget my every 30 seconds. So if we said, how's Carl? And she forgot. And then we told him he passed away. She'd be reliving it over and over. Right. So good or bad, we decided as a family collectively that we wouldn't share this. Then a day after his service and the memorial gathering, I wanted to visit her and have a, a light conversation, show her pictures of people on Facebook and, and whatnot. During the visit, my mom looked at me and she said, I know something's wrong. I could see it on your face and you're not telling me. And even with dementia, my mother could see through that something was wrong. I have a hard time get, getting through this one because it makes me cry. Anyway, that said, I said, nothing's wrong, mom, but I just got a phone call for work and I have to leave. So I went into my car and I sat and I cried for a while. And then when I was composed enough to be able to go home, I hit the ignition on the car and the song on, on the radio was Let It Be. And that's one of Marianne's songs. And she was telling me, you made the decision to not tell your mom to protect her and let it be. That's one of the really significant winks. And I have a hard time getting through that because it's very emotional for me. My mom just passed away in, in March. So spirituality was was big eye-opening thing that helped me to move toward healing. And then also self-discovery and self-care. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody said to me, you should meditate, meditate. I have a marching band going on in my head at all times. Like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and I, but I did. I, I, I tried. And right. I started with Headspace, Guided Meditation. And that was back in 2016. And now, eight years later, I'm, I think I'm up to like 18,000 minutes meditating. The app allows you to track how, wow. how many minutes. And I don't do Headspace anymore. I do EFT tapping. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. technique. Yes. And while my mom was ill February to March of last year, it's actually today is the year to the day that she started her illness, and then she she died, that if I didn't do that EFT, I would have not been able to handle the situation with the uh, dignity and grace that I was able to pull off and stay focused and 
be with her. Right. The bigger thing for me was mindfulness. Like I had spent so much time in my head, like worrying and obsessing about past decisions of plotting and scheming future ones. When I learned that the best place to be is exactly where your feet are planted, that's when the, it was a game changer for me, you know, and, and we all run amok. I mean, we're human, right? So like when I get in that space where I'm start to fall back into older patterns, I use this acronym. It's called stop, which is stop, take a breath, observe and proceed. And then I'll ask myself, is this thought serving you? Is it true? And, but what do I really need in this moment? And chances are what I really need is to get back into the present space that I'm in. And then another thing that I wasn't even aware of in this world was self-care. Like self-care, what's self-care? I would think of self-care as, oh, you're going to go get a massage. or, But self-care that I learned was that, just like I shared before, like if I go to my mother for a visit and it's getting too much me, I want to go home, get me home, I want to go home, that it's okay to stand up and say, I have to go. But even bigger is if she called at night and I wasn't strong enough to take the phone call, because I'm going through all this other medical things and, and dealing with the loss of my brother, that I could hand the phone to somebody else in my house, my husband or if my children are home, or not answer it. That was even bigger because I remember feeling guilty, but then I, I realized that if I'm not good to me, I can't be good for her. Yes. And she's not the same parent that she was. A friend of mine called me like two weeks ago. She's going through like a really difficult journey with her parents. They're both in memory care unit in a, in a assisted living facility. Mm -hmm. She called me crying. She's like, is it okay for me not to answer the phone? I'm like, yes, it is okay. You could just let it ring. The other thing is I found out that when you do acts of kindness to people, they're so appreciative, but you get back tenfold, right? Yeah. But I started at that time, again, with my journal, I would write down today, I will be kind to myself by doing blank. And then I fill in blank. And that could be anything from savoring that morning beverage or sitting on the deck when the weather is nice and reading a couple of pages of my book with the sun shining on my face. And by doing that, I can assure that every single day in my life has something joyful. And that was the goal, was to move from that horrible adversity space that I was in to emotional wellness, healing, and finding joy. That is so fantastic that you found the steps that really worked for you and also took the opportunity to go back to those steps and make them into habits. Yes, we all can go back to what's typical or what we've been doing for so long. But when you do and put those new steps into process, into play on an everyday basis, they become your new habits. Yes. And absolutely. you start what I call remapping your brain. So instead of going back to the old habits, you're going to go to the new habits. And that feels really good. That's an incredible process that you were able to figure out even through the darkest of days. Even with your parents, your mother having dementia, the lung cancer, the breast cancer, and taking care of yourself. So valuable, so important. And I love how you gave the very foundational process and movement towards that for people that are listening, because they just might be in a similar space and not know where to go and not see that light, that there's still light, there's still hope, there's still joy to be nurtured 
Thank you for sharing that. I had a grandfather who had dementia. It was a real learning curve because I helped take care of him through that process. I kept him in the house. Then I had to move him to a memory care facility. And the one thing I absolutely learned through that process was they may not remember you exactly or your sibs or other people around them, but they remember the emotion that was attached to you. Mm -hmm. They feel that. They don't ever forget that feeling. So they know somebody maybe they've had controversy with, They know somebody that's around them that they love and nurture or that they feel safe with. Those feelings, those emotions are so impactful because they can connect with those things. So let's talk about Find Your Joy and Run With It. Give us a brief synopsis of this book. So the book is about this journey that I shared with you that I had gone through this very bad space and uh, point in my life. And then how do I map this way into finding my joy and running with it. How do I find my way there? And and my book starts with a wedding. I like to share the story because all eyes are on the bride as she's walking down the aisle on her way to meet her future husband. And they have so much promise in the life ahead of them. And then I think of the 24-year-old me. We talked about young woman Rosie, right? So Mm -hmm. how could I have known that like I would have two cancers, not one, but two? We didn't talk about this, but I did lose two brothers. I lost one brother. He was 38 in 1993. And then my brother Carl died at 58 Mm. in in 2016. And then lose the, not the physical presence of my mother, but the best friend presence of the woman that I called every day, the woman that I, you know, would seek out for advice on marriage, anything and lose pieces of her piece by piece. And it's just a turn of a word or the turn of a thought. Like, do I let this define me or do I let it strengthen me? I don't walk out of my house and say, two-time cancer survivor. I walk out of my house and say, strong, strong person, resilient person. People say that my book is relatable. And like I've had, you know, book signings or I've been on a a podcast or whatever. And somebody will say, you know, your book is so relatable. I'm like, wait, hello, time out. You're 23. You haven't had cancer, thank God. You haven't had a parent with dementia and you don't haven't lost a sibling. So how are you relating to this? They said, mm-hmm. we, we relate to the emotions. We actually could feel it when we're reading the book. And one of the things I didn't share is that just the way the winks came in the book at the right moment for me, so did humor. Like mm-hmm. I would be in a really bad place of despair or whatever, and then something funny would happen. And I'll share a quick one on that one. Having lung cancer is a very difficult surgical journey, Mm -hmm. but having breast cancer and having your breasts removed is very personal. So the thing is, is I I say, like, when you get out of the shower, you don't see your lungs, right? Mm -hmm. But if you've had breasts removed, it's very personal. Everybody that knew me, that my close, close friends knew that this was big for me. I was rocking back in my bed, crying, saying, I Mm -hmm. don't know if I could do this. And then came the surgery day. And my children with me, my husband and two very close friends. And the nurse came in to say they were almost ready to take me. And she had a dragonfly pendant on. So I knew my friend Mm. Mary was there. And then the doctor came in and she said, do you have any last minute questions? And everybody thought I was going to break down and start crying and ask him. And I said, yes, I do have one question. She said, yes. I said, can you play Billy Joel in the operating room? And everybody (laughs) just went hysterical. Like, that's your question on my... The doctor said that she loves Billy Joel as much as I do. And if I have to stay on the surgical uh, gurney, whatever, for six hours, I might as well have some good music playing. It would just like, just at the time where it felt the most tense, something funny would happen. 
I just like to share that story in terms of the journey and the, the book. And it's very funny, I laugh out loud funny, but then also could be this parts of it that are, that are very emotional. And I love how you bring some of that levity into that journey because it's so essential to laugh. That creates dopamine, serotonin. That's part of healing. Mm-hmm. And it's part of the process of going through such a tremendous loss. I had a hysterectomy when I was very young. And I'm sorry. it is relatable. I think people, as you said, they don't necessarily have to have experienced the same thing to relate to the emotion. Yeah. And your book has that emotion and it's inspiring because people want to connect. They want to connect with you. They want to connect with your experiences. We don't have the same experiences, but we can connect with the emotion. Yes. I think that when I was 34 and I was being rolled into the operating room and my doctor saw and goes, hey, can you sign this paper just in case we need to do a hysterectomy on you? I'm like, oh my gosh, we're, we're just now talking about this? What, what, what? So I come out of there with a full hysterectomy. That means, again, like you said, you're going to have your breast removed. That's something very personal. Now, this was very personal. That meant I couldn't have biological children. That meant that that option was taken away. Those emotions are there. Mm-hmm. This year I had cancer in my lung. So as you're talking about this, I get it. It's tough. Those things are tough. It's tough to breathe. It's tough to know that they cut into you. It's tough for recovery, but you did it. You Mm -hmm. did it. And here's your journey. Here's your journey in find your joy and run with it. And thank you so much for sharing that with us because people want to connect with you and the emotions that you're sharing and your experiences, because it also gives us ideas. Rosie, how can we get through that next step? How can we create those new habits? How can we rekindle that joy in our life? How can we step outside and say, that cancer is not going to define me. I'm going to define myself by joy, by passion, by purpose, by so many other things. It is a part of my journey, but I'm going to define myself in different ways. Agreed. Agreed. Another thing that came out of the whole thing was I live my life by experiences now. Like I told my husband, I never need another piece of jewelry. I never need fancy purses or clothes or, you know, I mean, I like to look nice, but I'm not defined by a label, right? But it's all about making meals and memories in my house. It's about going out to a nice restaurant with people I love. It's about going on vacation with people I love. And that's it. I'm going to be 60 in a couple of weeks. That's it for me. That's all I want is experiences, a good play, a great concert. That's what I spend my money and my time on. I'm, I'm making really good memories and meals too. I love to cook. So <laughs> well, I'll be over in just okay. a few minutes. <laughs> well, I absolutely love that. Making memories is so important and it's not about things. It's about those experiences. So absolutely love that. So as we really wrap this up and come to the close of the interview, my last question is, if you were to give the listeners one tip to overcome adversity and live a joyful life, what would that one tip be? Sometimes I get pushback from from people, clients, or, you know, because I life coach as well speak, that I can't do meditation mindfulness. I just can't. I can't. And I'm like, try it. Like, go out into nature. Take your shoes off. Put your feet on the earth. 
and close your eyes and listen. Listen for the birds, listen for the sound of the tree swaying, smell the grass and just do it. It'll come to you. If you open yourself up to it, it will come to you. You'll see that in the present moment, all of a sudden the clouds are going to look different to you. Things are going to look different to you. I don't want to get too heady into it. But the other thing I always like to end a podcast by saying is that if you're going through something, whether you're going through a health crisis or you're going through some issues with your mental health or whatever it is, it's so important. If you share this with somebody, a friend or somebody, the important thing is if you share it, that you tell them what you want them to do with that information. I didn't. So I told a couple of people that I was having double mastectomy and they told people that I would never want to know because very back then it was very private, it was mm-hmm. a very personal, private mm-hmm. thing for me. Now I talk about it and it's eight years later and I, you know, I just celebrated eight years on February 1st, but be very specific with the people that you share what you want them to do with that information, because the surgical journey itself is going to be challenging. And now you don't want to have an, an emotional journey where people know something and you had wanted them to know it. And that was like, I was getting phone calls from people say, oh, I just heard from so-and-so. And I, what? I don't, I have never even had sat down with you and had a glass of water. And how do you know my personal stuff? So I, I always like to share that because I think it's so important, no matter what journey that you're on and what challenge that you're going through is to be very specific with the people that you share, what you want them to do with that information. I love that. So important. I just had a recent conversation just about that very thing. And I don't think that that person thought about what do you want to have other people do with that information? Yeah. Such a good tip. Yeah. The other thing is, is if you feel that you need professional help, if you need the help of a therapist, seek it out. I mean, I literally crawled into a therapist's office when Carl passed away. I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do it alone. I was so in my own head. She helped me map the way. Yeah. She actually assisted me and and, and helped me in many, many ways. So I like to share that as well. Such another great tip. And we all need help. There's no shame in it. There's actually courage in it. Thank you so much. And I want to wish you a happy eighth year anniversary. Thank you. With your surgery and a happy early 60th birthday. Thank you so much. You're absolutely welcome. Thank you, Rosie, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You can follow Rosie Mankiss on LinkedIn, Facebook, and on Instagram and at rosiemankiss.net. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great. Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love & Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.